0: Good morning. How's everyone doing? Welcome to Resurrection Church. It is not officially summer in Phoenix, but we've already reached summer temperatures. I think it was like 115 at my my car yesterday. So, but we live in Phoenix, so that's part of why it's part of the deal. All right. If you have your op- your Bibles, I want you to open up to Hebrews. Chapter 2, we are going verse by verse through, through Hebrews, and I think today might be a little bit more of a Bible study than a, like a sermon, so we'll see, see what God does. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2, and the theme of Hebrews, of course, is Jesus is supreme. Jesus is supreme. Amen. Hebrews 2, we're going to cover verses 5 to 9. We're going to cover verses 5 to 9. Let me just read it, and then we'll get into the flow of thought here. The writer says, For he did not subject to angels the world to come, concerning which we are speaking. But one has testified somewhere, saying, what is man that you remember him? Oh, speaking of it just it just slipped in my mind. Alan, come on up. My bad. He has a scripture reading that corresponds exactly to what we're doing today, so come on up, Alan. <laughs> That's okay. As I was starting to read it, he's actually gonna read from Psalm eight.
1: All right, this is Psalm 8 for the director of music according to Giddeth, a psalm of David. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You have made them rulers over the works of your hands and put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild and the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea. All that swim the paths of the sea, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name, in all the earth. Psalm Thank you. So that's what I was just about
0: to read was part of Psalm 8. So let's. Sorry, guys. Completely. That was my bad. That's okay. We're a gracious church, aren't we? Because we have a gracious God. Amen. We are not perfectionists, although I am wired. as. How many of you guys are wired like me as a perfectionist? <laughs> oh, we just cringed, didn't we? Yeah, we did. <laughs> That's okay. God allows you to be human. <laughs> yeah, so this is hey, we major on grace. If there's anything that God tries to teach me, is the grace of God. Major on grace. Uh, it's too high stress to be a perfectionist, I'll tell you that much. Only Jesus is perfect. Okay, uh, Hebrews 2, verse 5. For he did not subject to angels the world to come concerning which we are speaking, but one has testified somewhere saying, what is man that you remember him or the son of man that you are concerned about him? You have made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and have appointed him over the works of your hands. And you have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him, but we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. So Hebrews is talking about the supremacy of Jesus, and his first comparison is saying Jesus is better than the angels. He's been going through that since chapter 1, early in the chapter, just comparing uh, Jesus is better than angels. Jesus is God, basically. He is, his point has been, has been he is he is, he is the world now. Did you know that? We're going to see that. It's interesting. Um, Angels have rulership because he's like, he did not subject to angels the world to come. The implication is they are, the world now is subject to angelic rule. Um, But in the world to come, that's not going to be. So what he's doing, he's making a comparison, say, Jesus is better than the angels, because in the world to come, it's not going to be under angelic administration. Now, where did this idea come from? That, what is he talking about? The world is subject to angels. First of all, the word subject, let's like explain that. That's the word hupotasso. It means to be under command. It's a military word. A commander has soldiers Subject to him, right? It's uh it's a word that means to have uh it also uh to have administration over. Okay. Um it's actually used in Luke where Jesus when remember Jesus goes to the to the temple, teaches and leaves his mom and dad behind and they come and find him, a twelve year old that didn't you know I had to be at my father's house? Well, when he came back home, it says in Luke 2.51, he continued in subjection to them, right? So, um, and of course, it's the word that's also used uh, of demons being subject to the name of Jesus, okay? But this idea uh, that things will come into subjection to Jesus, of course, comes in parts of the scripture. But the question here I have is, why would he mention the world to come not being subject to angels? Because I don't think of this world as being subject to angels. The idea, and if if you notice in Hebrews, he's quoting a lot from the Septuagint. He's quoting a lot from the Greek Bible. And there's an idea that goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 32. So go back to Deuteronomy 32. We're going to do a little Bible study today, okay? We're going to turn pages, flip pages and stuff like that. So, Deuteronomy chapter 32. Let me show you something. I'll explain this. This is, this is what I'm going to show you is pretty cool. So, hang on to your hats, if you have hats. Do we have hats? No, we don't have hats. Uh, Deuteronomy 32. In verse, verse 8. Watch this. If so I can just get to it. The Deuteronomy 32 is, is part of Moses' song. It says, When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he separated or divided mankind or the sons of man, he set boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel. Okay, that's a bad translation. It should say, he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the people according to the numbers of sons of God. What does that mean? Angels. So if your Bible says the sons of Israel, it's a bad translation. The Septuagint says sons of God, bene Elohim, a angelic term. When he divided the nations, he gave angels over various nations. But, look at verse 9. But the Lord's portion is his people and Jacob his heritage. Or Yahweh's portion is his people. Jacob is the allotment of his heritage. In other words, he reserved Israel for himself. So angels were responsible for administrating the various nations, of course, under the authority of God. But various nations have angels over them. And Moses gives hint to that. Look at, look at the book of Daniel. You see a little more evidence in Daniel. Look at Daniel chapter 10. This is kind of cool stuff, too. Daniel chapter 10. Go to your right. And go to Daniel chapter ten, and Daniel of course had been reading the uh, the prophecy from uh, from Jeremiah, and he's wondering when are these things going to happen, and and he gets visited by Gabriel, brings him an answer. Uh, but look at Daniel ten and verse uh, about twenty. Um, he gets uh, Gabriel comes to visit him and give him an answer, and I'm just going to skip on down to verse um, um, verse 20. Then he said, "Do you know why I came to you? But now, but I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia." Okay, the prince of Persia was the angelic, in this case, a demonic angel that was controlling the country of Persia. Um, so I am going forth and behold the prince of Greece is about to come uh, in verse 21 however I will tell you that what is inscribed is the writing of truth there is no one uh, now there is no one who exerts strength with me against these except, uh, forces except Michael your prince Michael is the prince over Israel um, and there's other, there's other verses in Daniel that talk about the idea of, of angelic rulership um, in fact, look at verse your, verse thirteen of Daniel ten, uh, verse uh, verse twelve, brother, and then thirteen. Then he said to me, "Do not be afraid, Daniel, for far from the for, from the first day you gave your heart to understand this, the reading from Jeremiah, and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words." He "When you started praying, I was sent, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia." Was standing against me for 21 days. In the heavenly realm, and we'll get to this in Ephesians, he talks about uh, this in Ephesians, spiritual battles going on. And in this case, he says, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, which is where he was at, in Persia, which is Iran today, um, I, was, I was fighting against the guy for 21 days until Michael, one of the chief princes, He's not the archangel, he's one of the archangels. There's more than one archangel, just to make it clear, came to help me. So you see there's this angelic rulership going on. You guys following so far? That's why we see when Paul says in Ephesians 6.12 that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, the, the cosmic powers of this, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Okay? Does it make sense? So back to Hebrews. He's like, "This world has some angelic rulership. In fact, Jesus even attests to this. Look at John chapter 12. John 12. Look what he calls Satan. John 12:31. Jesus says these words, Now judgment is upon this world, and the ruler of this world, who is this? Satan. The ruler of this world will be cast out. When Adam sinned, in one sense he gave the rulership of the authority of this world to Satan. Man was intended to be the rule of this world. Genesis one twenty six and 27. Let us make man in our image, right? And let them rule over the earth. You let, you know, let them subdue the earth. Plants and the animals and things like that. We had this high, high calling and high position as mankind. We were supposed to be king of the earth, so to speak. That was, but when we sinned, we sort of said, Satan will follow you instead, and then he became in charge. Jesus also says in John 14, 30, I will not speak much more with you for the ruler of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. And first John 5, 19 says, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Do you know why you get frustrated? Now, let me. You get frustrated with the news and with politics and all that be, is because they're under the control of the rule of this world. You ever know, notice why, why things just don't get better? because they're under the rulership of the prince of the power of the air, as he says in Ephesians um, chapter 2. This rule is under that control. That's angelic control. And so what, what Hebrews is talking about is, is, um, is that that in the world to come, in the age to come, let's go, let's go back there. Go back, to, um, go back to Hebrews 2. For he did not subject to angels the world to come, now, what's he talking about? What's this world to come? Well, there's a couple options. The world to come could refer to the new heavens and the new earth. Okay? We know that there's a couple ages to come. One, there is the Davidic age when the Messiah rules on this earth. And all the prophecies concerning his rulership will come to pass. Right. The, the millennial age. When Christ is king on the earth, when there's a kingdom on this earth, I'm sorry if you're millennialist, you're wrong. Jesus will rule on this earth. And if I offend you, too bad. Read your Bible. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. So we know that there's two ages to come the Davidic kingdom, which is the millennial reign when Christ will rule on this earth. And we also know the next age is the new heavens and a new earth. Okay? Um, and that's when, when in Isaiah 65 he says, I will create a new heavens and a new earth, uh, and the former things will not be remembered. And, uh, you know, that's in Isaiah 65. Uh, Paul even talks about coming ages in Ephesians. Just stay where you're at. I'll just read the verse to you. Um, Because we're talking about future future things. We're talking about things that are going to happen. In Ephesians 2, verse 7. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. We also know when he says in uh, Hebrews 2, 5, for he did not subject to angels the world to come. That world, world is not your typical world cosmos, right? It's the word oikomeno, uh, which we get the word economy from. It means an inhabited house, which means that there's going to come in the future where there's a house that's inhabited, namely the earth, that's inhabited with people and there's things going on where Christ is the ruler and things are going to be different. Angels still have a part to play in that, but not the way they have it now. Does that make sense? This is the time when Jesus refers in Matthew nineteen twenty eight. Truly I say to you, in the new world, or the restoration, when the Son of Man shall sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So what we're talking about here is the millennial kingdom of Messiah. The kingdom will not be administered by angels, but by Jesus and his followers. Mind blown. Mind blown. I'm, just, I'm sitting in my car thinking, woe is me, For some, and all of us, we're, we're, little, we're, we're followers of Jesus. Do you know that our destiny is a whole lot more than you realize? We're going to be ruling with Jesus. I haven't got to that part of the verse yet. In the world to come, angels will be fellow ministers. In fact, we see this in Revelation 19. Go to Revelation 19. 19 mm-hmm. Revelation 19 in verse 10 Angels are fellow ministers in fact he says in Revelation 19:10 it says John says then I fell at his feet to worship him this is some angel has talking to John he falls at this angel's feet But he, the angel, said to me, do not do that, for I am a fellow slave or servant with you. Hebrews just got finished saying in verse 14, Are they not all ministering spirits sent to render service for the sake of those who will inherit the kingdom? Their position is the same. They will always be servants and ministering spirits. Our position, though, is going to change because of Christ. I am your fellow servant or slave with you and your brothers who have have witness of Jesus. Worship God, is what he says. So what he's talking about is in the time to come. Now he's going to give, go back to Hebrews 2. So angels won't have that kind of part to play. It's going to be different. This is why Jesus is better than the angels. But now he's going to give proof of this and he's going to do something very interesting in the next few verses, okay? So, So stick with me. Verse 6, you see this? But one has testified somewhere saying, What is man that you remember him, or the son of man that you are concerned about him? This is what Alan read. This is from Psalm 8, and he's quoting from verse 4 through 6. What is man that you remember him, or the son of man that you are concerned about him? The psalmist here, of course, is looking at the stars in the sky. He's looking at just the vastness. Of course, he doesn't have the um, uh, the technology that we have today to know how many millions and billions of, of galaxies or stars and planets are in our galaxy alone and how many billions and billions of galaxies there's in your. The I mean, just, he has not know. All he sees is what he sees. And he's like, when I, look, when I consider your heavens, what are we we're just a speck right that you would even give us a thought i mean there's there's some suns that are so big that that they're they're 100 thousand times bigger than our sun you know we, we would if there was you know some of the bigger stars are we would be inside the star that's how how large it is right and that's one of trillions of stars
1: who, who, what what
0: are we that you would give us thought, right? That you would have concern about us. He's he's the, the psalmist is wondering at the majesty of God and the. That he would, I'm I'm six foot one. At least I used to be six foot one. Gravity and time, you know, are, are coming. I still want to say I'm six six foot one, right? But as a six foot one person on planet Earth, I'm not. I mean, you have, if you're going to take a picture of a your planet, you're going to have to zoom way, 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 way in just to find me. And I'm a, I'm, and our planet is just, a, we're just this, we're a speck of dust. And God would have thought about me? And each one of you? You talk about the, the majesty of God, but also the grace of God. And not just thinking about us, but appointing us to the position and privilege to oversee and have dominion over his creation. That's what he says, and he's, he's humbled by this. Who are we that you would remember? Remember us. Now, here's the question here. Here's what, here's what the, the writer in Hebrews is doing. This is very, when you first read it in Psalm, he is talking about mankind. What is man that you consider, or the Son of Man? That's a parallel structure in Hebrew. You say one thing and then you repeat it in a different way to elaborate on. That's one of the parallel one of the ways that Hebrew is, is written. And so he says, the man that you remember him, or the son of man that you're concerned about him. Originally, he's talking about mankind. That was our original purpose that God made us is to have. Oversight over this earth, right? Over God's creation. Having that position, little speck of a man in charge of God's creation. Figure that one out. In fact, the psalmist is referring back to Genesis 1.26 when he says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the cattle, over all the earth over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And then God says in verse 28, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and rule over the birds of the sky and everything that moves on the earth. That is what the original intention was. He says, verse 7, you have made him a little lower than, then the angels. Go, in fact, go back to your Psalm eight. Can you, you guys, go back to Psalm eight? I want to look at something here. You guys, with me? Okay. Psalm eight. This is because <clears throat> I want to show you this in a in a second. But Psalm eight. It says in verse five. Yet you have made him a little lower than. Now, there's different translations here. Some says "angels, right? Psalm eight: "You have made him a little more lower than God." Some translations, it's "angels." The word in Hebrew is Elohim," which refers to a spiritual being that can refer to God or angels. God is, of course, a different kind of being altogether, but just like the better translation is and this is what the writer of Hebrews is doing, he's actually quoting. From the Septuagint that translates this as angelos, as angels. So when we were made, we were made lower than the angels positionally. Why are we lower than the angels? Well, for one thing, angels are spiritual beings, right? We're physical. Angels can't die. We can die. Angels have a whole lot more power than we do, right? It doesn't mean that we're lower in importance to God. God didn't send His Son Jesus to die for the angels; He sent Jesus to die for, for those made in the image of God, namely mankind. Right? Uh, angels um, uh, are are we're lower than the angels specifically because we're we're earth we're earthbound people, right? But not in importance; we're not lower than the angels of importance or significance. You've made him a little lower than the angels, and yet you have crowned him with glory and honor. That refers to the position that we have as sort of king and uh, or as uh, a, vi- a viceroy, which comes from well, give the etymology. It comes from a, 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 in, in the place of somebody. You, we're we're ruling for God, right? We 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 are commissioned to do that. You made him. We're made a lower than the angels, but yet we have this glory and honor, and you have appointed him over the works of your hands. When he says, what is man that you remember him? It means The word remember means to uh, to give careful consideration, to think of, to be concerned about. And then he says that you are concerned about him. This word means to exercise oversight, to have active caring, that you are not just knowing that he exists, but you actively are in interested in what he does. That's what God is with each one of us. He actively is concerned with us. This is more than just a, a wish or desire. It involves looking after concern for the benefit of that person. When he says, I'm concerned about you, it's... That He is concerned to help us, right? What is man that you would even give us thought? No, and not just thought, but interest and concern. That's what God's thought is towards us. It's the word that's used in Luke uh, chapter one, verse 68. "Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited us, same. By, uh, uh, and accomplish, redemption. He's visit us because he's concerned with us. What is man that you're even interested in what we do? Who we are? But God is not just interested. He is very much intimately acquainted with all our ways. I was talking with, with my daughter. I said, Alyssa, God knows the number of hair on your head. I don't know the number of hair on your head. I don't even know the number of hairs on my own head, right? That's that's quite that's that's just not just that's that's particular knowledge. He knows your name. You're not just a number or a you know a number that they give some planet or star somewhere that some somebody discovered. You know, core star nine two eight asterisk three five ampersand or something some code you know you have a name what is man that you give us not just you know us right continuing on verse, verse and we'll i'll go back Explaining explain verse eight you have put all things in subjection under his feet so he's originally describing the original tent of god we were made lower than the angels because we're limited to this world. But in the world to come, we're going to rule over the angels. And we have been appointed for wonderful things on this earth. What is man that you have made him lower than the angels, be at crown and with glory and honor and pointed him over the works of your hands. And you have put all things in subjection on their feet. That was the original intent, right? Now, the writer of Hebrews is going to do something here. Because now we have a problem. He says, for in subjecting all things, so positionally and by God's decree, we are supposed to be in charge of this world, right? But there's a huge problem, right? And all of us live this every single day. In fact, he says, but now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. The problem, of course, has been sin, Positionally, we have the title, but practically, forget about it. We have to fight and sweat and toil just to get some plant to grow and to fight off the bugs and fight off disease, right? It's supposed to be subdue the earth. It seems like the earth is subduing us. We have deserts and famine and plagues and droughts and heat we live in phoenix we're used to the heat we should not complain now get ready for a long summer all this stuff we he says for in subjecting all things to him he left nothing that is not subject to him but now we do not yet see all things subject now here we're talking about mankind and the reality of this world is we face very difficult hardships. That's why God said in Genesis three after the fall. He says, "Thorns and thistles, you're going to by the sweat of your brow, you're going to, try, you're going to try make eke out of living to, to have food for your, for your family, and it's going to be the same thing over and over and over again. And no person that you're ever going to vote for is going to change God's decree that that happened because of sin. Right? We're all in that same boat. We are positionally in positionally that, in that position, but practically the earth is like, forget you, man, I'll do what I want. This is the original call of man, was to rule the earth, but because of sin, by the sweat of your face you'll eat bread until you return to the ground. Sin enters the world, problems come with it. Murder, disease. You go from Genesis 3 with with the first sin. Genesis 4, you have the first murder. By Genesis 6, everyone is doing what they want in their own eyes, and there's no one who is righteous except for Noah. And God has to send a flood to wipe it out. It's like a cancer that has grown. (sighs) Don't think that God is not serious about sin. He sent his his son, Jesus Christ, to, to, to deal with sin. That's all invasive. That's all by Genesis 6 you have, and then the whole thing starts over again. And there's pain, there's disease, there's dysfunction, there's sickness, problems with relationships with the world. Come on, plant, grow. Problems with relationship with animals. The animals will be afraid of you from now on. That's why later on in Isaiah, when he talks about the new heavens and the earth, what he says, the little kid will, will lead the, the, you know, the lions and tigers and bears and they'll, they'll pet the, they'll, they'll be by the snake den and won't get, you know, like all this stuff. The animals will be changed in that time period. But now they're afraid of us or we're afraid of them and things are just not the way it is, right? And now we don't rule the way we should be ruling. We rule harshly and ungodly and, and selfishly, you know? And it's all dying. Sorry, you're not going to find some you, you, can discover, you can try your best to discover a way to live forever or cause plants to go forever, but at the end of the day, God's word says, dying you shall die. The earth was subjected to futility because of sin. In fact, the earth even knows it's not living up to its potential. Look at in Romans 8. I'll just read this. Go to Romans 8. You guys with me? Yes. We're having Bible study, Okay like we're having we're having cat meeting whatever that means we're having bible study Romans 8 verse 19 verse 18 for i consider Romans 8:18 8, for i consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us for the anxious longing of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of god for the creation was subjected, same word we saw before, to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will also be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Verse 22, For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. The earth even knows it's not living the way it's supposed to. It's not it's it's not the way it's supposed to be. I it's okay, so when Sharon goes out of town, or whenever Sharon leaves the house, hi Sharon. Our dog Ava mopes. There's that song Ain't No Sign when she's gone. That's that's what she's playing in her mind. She is singing that song. When when Sharon is out of the house, it's like, it's a, she is just, I come home and, you know, she greets me. But, okay, for me it's a two. When Sharon comes home, it's a ten, a hundred, okay? Right now, creation is living that way. When Jesus comes on the scene, it's like, my Savior's here, yes! World of Difference. So even the world knows, it's groaning, (laughs) please set me free, when is this going to happen, Lord? But we know for now that the earth is under a curse. We get sick, we fight, we argue, we toil. There's problems biologically, politically, ecologically. Things aren't the way they should be. Go back to Hebrews For in subjecting them he left nothing that is not subject to them, but now we do not yet see all things subject to him. Now what the writer of Hebrews is going to do here, there's an open door, so to speak, in the psalm that he's quoting. Remember he's quoting from Psalm 8, and he's quoting from the Septuagint on purpose. Because we're man, we're Adam failed as our representative. When Adam sinned, Paul says we all sinned. When Adam died, we died, right? Don't say, well, I wasn't there. Yes, you were. You would have done the same thing. You're of the same nature as Adam. It's just the way it is. But what the psalmist does here, or what the writer here does in quoting the psalm, is I think he opens the door for not just the speaking of man and the son of man as a man, but now you've got open door for a messianic son of David, the son of man. Yes, it's a title that describes man, Ezekiel, but also it's a title that describes Jesus, who says, I'm the son of man. Hint, hint, hint. Look at Daniel. In fact, go to Daniel. Go to Daniel. Daniel, go to Daniel. Daniel. Uh, let's go to Daniel. I think it's 7. Are you guys with me still? Yes. Let me know if I turn the, the bus too fast. What does that mean? Like that, you know, and you're like, whoa, where, where are you at? Where <laughs> I was expecting that. Um, Daniel 7. I say 7? Yeah. Hold on. Give me my glasses. Verse 13, And I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man... Was coming. I think when Jesus says he's the Son of Man, he quotes that all the time. He's referring to this, and I also think he's referring to Psalm 8 as well. One like the Son of Man was coming up to the ancient of the day. So you had Jesus coming up to God the Father and came near before him, and to him, who? Jesus was given what? Dominion, glory, and a kingdom. What's going on here is because what Jesus will accomplish as our As Paul says, the last Adam is our representative. He accomplishes and purchases back what Adam lost. To him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, and that all the peoples, nations of men of every tongue might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not be taken away, and his kingdom is one which shall not be destroyed. Now, what's interesting is that now this is where it gets really good. Go back to oh, keep keep a thumb in Daniel and Daniel, and go back to Hebrews. I want to show you something, okay? You got your thumb back there. Watch this. He says, "We do not see Hebrews two, but we do not yet see all things subject to Him." But we do see him. Now he's bringing Jesus into the conversation. This is going to be the first time later in this verse where he actually mentions Jesus' name. But we do see him who is made for a little while lower than the angels, Jesus. Now let's stop right there. What does that mean, Jesus made lower than the angels? He's God. We just said in chapter 1, he's God. That's referring to his incarnation and his time on this earth. During this time on this earth, he's he's lower than the angels. Okay, read the Scriptures. He's, he's, he's fasting for 40 days, and when, he's, when he finally gets to eat, who's there to help him out? Angels are ministering to him. Right? So during this time, he's, his history referring to his incarnation. He's still God, but he took on flesh. He still has that flesh, but now he's made a little lower than angels. Jesus, because of the suffering of death, Now, here's what the writer is doing. He's going from his incarnation to his humiliation, which is suffering and death, to then his exaltation. The highest man could become, even without even sinning, would have been lower, still lower than the angels. You know that. But Jesus... The lowest he ever became was lower than the angels, but is exalted to the Father. You see that? So what the writer here is saying is this, is that Jesus, because of his suffering and death, is crowned with glory and honor. So now, as our representative, the first Adam failed in doing that, the first Adam plunged us into death, But Jesus, as Paul says, the last Adam has brought us out to that, and now we have been raised with him, as Paul says. Jesus has been crowned with glory because of his death and sacrifice. Sin prevented us from reaching there, but because Jesus Christ, who tasted death for everyone... He's now crowned with glory and honor. Jesus recovers what man has lost. Adam sinned, we sinned. Romans 5.12 says that. You can read that on your own. For just as one man sin entered the world, death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. Jesus pays that death. But now watch this. This is where it gets interesting. This is where, remember, the original purpose that God had for man was what? To rule over creation. Right? Remember that? And because of sin, that's been all messed up. But because of Christ, that's now restored. Which means what? In Christ, we are back to ruling. Um, when Christ died, we died. When Christ reigns, we reign with him. Look at Revelation chapter 5. I'm gonna look, I want you to take you uh, to YouTube, a couple places in Revelation. Revelation 5, look there. If, well, hold on, hold on. I told you to keep your thumb on Daniel, didn't I? Who, who has their thumb still on Daniel? Okay, I'm leave, I left you hanging. Sorry, let's go back. <laughs> Daniel... Remember, Christ has now been risen, and Paul says, "When Christ died, I died; when Christ was raised, I was raised." Watch this. Now, go to verse eighteen of Daniel eight, or seven, right? We're in chapter seven, Daniel seven, verse eighteen. Daniel seven eighteen. But the saints of the highest one, the who? The Who's that? That's us. The saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and for all ages to come. I know I had another verse in the end. I lost my place here. Um, We are going to rule with Jesus. Go to verse 27. Then the rain